0: Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are a If you're taking notes today, go ahead and write this down. Today's message is titled. Abundant confidence. Abundant confidence. How many of you wish you could have an abundance of confidence? (laughs) Amen. An abundance of confidence. Not just a little bit, but just an abundance. Abundance means what? An overflow of confidence. I want an abundance of confidence. You might look at someone sometimes like, wow, that person is very confident with themselves. You'd be amazed. Sometimes that display is because they actually lack so much confidence that they have to maybe portray that before you. An abundant confidence that is deeply rooted in our spirit, deeply rooted in our heart. I almost called it Christmas confidence and whatnot because this is kind of like the theme where I want to go into. We'll see where it goes in the weeks to come in regards, regarding Christmas. But abundant confidence. I think God is going to speak heavily to us. I haven't done this in years. I actually used to do this a lot, believe it or not. But, but I want to share uh, something to you that, that hopefully will bring a laughter or two. But, but uh, so, somewhat of a, a little story slash joke here, and and I'm going to open up with this just because we're in the right season for it. It says, a couple were in a busy shopping center just before Christmas. How many of you have already been in busy shopping centers uh, just before Christmas, right? You could testify that. uh, How's it going? (laughs) Okay, many of you are doing the whole online shopping. You're learning, that's good. Okay, so a couple were in a busy shopping center just before Christmas. The wife suddenly noticed, that her husband was missing, as they had a lot to do. So she called him on the phone, and the wife said, Where are you? You know we have lots to do. And he said, You remember the jewelers we went into about 10 years ago? And you fell in love with that diamond necklace? I could not afford it at the time, and I said that one day I would get it for you. Little tears started to flow down her cheek, and she got all choked up. She said, Yes, I do remember that shop. Yeah. So he says, Well, I'm at the gun shop right next door. <laughs> right next door. Hey man. A pastor that I follow actually put that up and I said, I'm gonna steal that from him today. I like it. Kinda reminds me of my marriage there. <laughs> Nancy, remember that necklace you want? remember that ring you wanted me to fix? That ring. I'm at the gun shop right next door. Hey, Amen. God is good. Amen, Amen, all the time. Abundant confidence. Last week, last week we closed off with one of David's Psalms, uh, Psalm 16. And and we were blessed by that. We were blessed by by Psalm 16. I I know I was and God was uh, speaking to us. But today I want to begin with another one of David's Psalms. It's actually Psalm chapter 63. Can you turn there with me to Psalm chapter 63. Once you're there, give me an amen, give me a shout. You could get up and do a little dance if you want. We will take it all, being that we are down to rejoice with your dance. Amen. Psalm 63. Now, as you turn to Psalm 63 before we read this, I want us to remember that Holy Spirit, he... Had us for, the, for for weeks, and for weeks we kept on talking about pain, and we, we were talking about use your pain, and, and, and now what's interesting about this psalm is that it's interesting because David writes this in a time, I would say, of pain. It's in a time of trouble. Psalm 63 is, uh, all of David's writings, good. All of David's writings has purpose. That's why it's in the Bible. It's interesting. All of it's interesting. All of it comes with deeper meaning. All of it. But... Psalm 63, is, it's fun to read. It comes at a time of trouble, as we've been talking about pain. And, and, and really, to, in David's life, that's no surprise. Like, David, pain? No way. Like, who would have thought? David constantly lived in pain. David constantly lived in trouble. David constantly lived in discomfort. And it was a time, if you've ever studied the life of David, where he's hiding in the wilderness, specifically the Judean wilderness and, and, and he's fleeing and, and, and he's running away from Jerusalem and away from Jerusalem to the wilderness of Judea. and as he's running to the Judean wilderness, we're not hundred percent sure what he's fleeing from. Some scholars believe it could be his son Absalom and some could believe it could be King Saul where most stick to that right there where, where it could be Saul. And, and they believe that that's the case. He's, he's running from Saul as Saul is out to kill him or whatnot and to destroy him. Or it could be very, his very own son, Absalom. Regardless, it's very hard time for him. He's hiding in the caves. But I write this down not to be disrespectful to what he's going through, but it's funny. When you read Psalm 63, it, it makes you laugh within. It's funny. It's interesting. The reason why is because when you read this... You don't get, you don't get that David's in trouble or that he's going through something extremely difficult. Has someone ever opened up to you and they tell you their life story or what they're currently going through and your jaw just drops and you would have been like, I've been hanging out with you for so long, I would have never thought you were going through that. Okay, when I read Psalm 63, I'm like, I just read this, I would have never thought that you were going through that. From what I just read, it does not sound like a man who is running from Saul or from Absalom. It does not sound like a man who is fleeing to the wilderness, the Judean wilderness. Actually, it sounds totally different. When I read this chapter 63 of the book of Psalms, what's interesting about it is that I notice that instead of running because he's filled with fear and writing, forgive me, because he's filled with, oh my God, I'm struggling, I'm in pain. I recognize that his writing is filled with an abundance of confidence. And I'm like, this is awkward. He's, he's, he's in the Judean wilderness. His writing should be fearful. His writing should lack confidence. But something happened in the wilderness. We've preached here that the wilderness is very vital in our lives. We may go on in our lives thinking that the wilderness is a negative place. But as you continue in this journey in Christ, you will recognize that the wilderness is part of the journey to bring the greatest moments out of you. The greatest person out of you. Every single person, even David, had a wilderness in his life. And the wilderness serves a purpose. And instead of being defeated in caves in the wilderness, David begins to write and what comes out of him is a. Abundant confidence. While his wanted picture is all over, billboards with his face are all over. If you see this man, he is wanted dead or alive. Bring David to me. But yet he writes in the Judean wilderness, not with fear, not distraught, not with pain, not with ache, but with a, in a place where he's filled with confidence. Filled with abundant confidence. You want to read it? Let's read it. Psalm 63, verse 1. Say I'm there. All right, good. Let's go. It says, oh, God, you are my God. Confirmation, Lord, uh, declaration here, Lord, oh, God, you are my God. Early will I seek you my soul thirsts for you, my flesh longs for you. Look what he's going through here. I'm in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Everyone's like, oh man, that sucks for him. This is not good. He's in a bad place. He's in a bad place. He's seeking from the Lord. He's in a dry place. He's in a place where his Flesh is longing for the Lord. He's in a dry and thirsty land where he's longing for water. We see him in verse 1 crying out to God. And in verse 2 he says, so I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. I love that when we're going through something, sometimes we just want to come to church, you know. Because there's something in the praises of his people. There's something in the sanctuary. Lord, when we come together, we could see your power. We could bask and enjoy in your glory. Verse 3, he says, because your loving kindness is better than life. This is a man that's running to the Judean wilderness writing this. He says, my lips shall praise you. Not curse you because I'm wanted. My lips shall praise you. Verse 4, thus I will bless you while I live, and I will lift up my hands in your name. Verse 5, my soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. Amen? Amen? Okay, so far, have you seen verse 2, 3, 4, and 5? Did you remember verse 1? Oh, Lord, you are my God. Oh, God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. All of this is going on. So I look unto the Lord. I look unto the sanctuary. I look for power and glory. Your loving kindness is better. My lips shall praise you. I bless you while I live. My, notice what he's saying. My soul shall be satisfied. My mouth shall, be, shall praise you with joyful lips. Look at verse 6. Love verse 6. Underline verse 6. Highlight it. Write it down in your notes. Here it is. This is the message today. Verse 6. When I remember you on my bed. So good. I meditate on you in the night watches. Verse 7. Because you have been my help. No, notice the past tense here. Because you have been my help, what is he doing? He's meditating. What is he doing? You've been my help. I'm thinking of what of the past testimonies of the Lord. Everything that he's saying is he's you're my present help, and you will continue to be my help. That's why I continue to search for you. I continue to look for you. I continue. But but right now I'm just at a standstill. I'm at a pause moment. I'm I'm in the wilderness moment here, and I'm just staying still. As I flee from home and as I'm staying still, I'm thinking about this right here. I'm remembering this right here. I'm meditating about this right here. Because you have been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. He's reminiscing. He's thinking back. Verse 8. Let's just keep going. I have so much to say. He says, my soul follows close behind you. I love that his soul follows close behind him. How many of you are running past God? And God's like, I'm not there. You stamp the name of Jesus on it. You stamp God's name on it. That's called using God's name in vain. But God's not there. He's like, I haven't ran over there yet. What are you doing running there? Just run right run. (laughs) Run after me. It's such a beautiful thing. That's a whole other message. Maybe we'll preach that another day. My soul follows close behind you. He says, your right hand upholds me, but, but those who seek my life to destroy it. There's what, that's what's, this is where he, verses 1, verse, sorry, forgive me. Verse 1 is, is it's what's happening right here in verse 9. Those who seek my life to destroy it. So there's, there's individuals that are running that are seeking them to destroy him. Shall go into the lower parts of the earth. Well, where's he sending them, huh? they shall fall by the sword and they shall be a portion for jackals and but the king shall rejoice in God and everyone who swears by him shall glory but the mouth of those who speak lies shall be stopped i love this phrase but the king shall rejoice in God there's 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 two different there's two different beliefs there here's number 1 ready it's if if Absalom is chasing him, he's already the king. So he's declaring the king, the king, because he's already the king, shall rejoice in God, though my son wants to kill me. But if Saul is chasing him, Saul's still the king. So David is declaring that which was already given to him, the kingship of Israel. So when he says, but the king shall rejoice in God, he knows that the king of Israel, but Lord, the true king that you're gonna place in that throne. So he's speaking already from a place I rejoice in the past. But, but I'm also confessing what the Lord has for me in the future. There's a very interesting dynamic here in David's writing. It's so much deeper than what we would normally read. Whoever it is that's really following him here. Regardless whether it's Absalom or Saul, he's in a wilderness and it's a very interesting passage. Because here's a question that I wrote down that I want you to think about. And maybe you should write this down in your notes, in your Bible. This is the question of our message today. This is a question that we will constantly go to and we will probably end with this question, today's message. Here's your question to think about. Think about it. Don't answer it today, right now. Maybe answer it at the end. The question is, what do we do to receive an abundance of confidence when we feel troubled or we're being threatened by trouble or difficulty? When we're being threatened by trouble, when we're being troubled, what do we do at that moment? That's vital in the believer's life. Trouble has come. Trouble is here or trouble will come in every one of our lives. Yeah? You guys all live trouble-free lives? That's good. That's the reality of it. Trouble is a reality. Distress is a reality to all of us. Pain is a reality to every single one of us. Difficulty is it for all of us. But what do we do to receive confidence? Confidence when all I see is trouble. How am I hiding in a cave finding confidence when there's a man that's after me to kill me and my kingship? How do I find confidence in that moment? See, David's confidence is found in what he chose to do. Last week I I spoke about it. You need to decide. David's confidence is found in what he chose to do. You need to decide. You need to make the decisions now. You need to start making the right decisions now. And David's confidence was found when he started to choose what to do. And what he found In doing so, in choosing what to do, he found it and he writes it down, what I believe, in verses 6, 7, and 8. In verse 6, 7, and 8, he's giving us something that he found and he says what? When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches because you've been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. And then he says in verse 8, my soul follows close behind you and your right hand upholds me. It's almost like the sheep that was broken because he strayed a little bit. It's the sheep. You know, the shepherd, when the sheep leaves the sheepfold, he goes and finds him. He leaves the 99 to go find the one. And when he finds the one, he grabs him by the leg, he cracks his leg, puts him around his shoulder. You guys know that story. And brings him back to the sheepfold, heals him up. When that sheep gets healed up, he never walks the same again. Walks with a limp for the rest of his life because of the shepherd's breaking. Some of you think that the shepherd's breaking is what? His anger towards you. No, it's actually his love towards you. He needs to break you to show you that if I didn't break you, I would have never kept you as close as I want to keep you. Because the sheep, once the leg was broken, he walks what? He's the sheep that always walks closest to the shepherd forevermore. There's a sheepfold, but the one that was broken walks with a limp, and it's always right there following the shepherd. What is David saying? I'm a broken sheep. My soul follows close behind you. Eugene Peterson in the message says it this way. If I'm sleepless at midnight, I spend the hours in grateful reflection. I like that word. I really do. Because you've always stood up for me. I'm free to run and play. I hold on to you for dear life and you hold me steady as a post. The Hebrew word here, let's, let's kind of break some of this stuff down if you, if you allow me here. When I remember you on my bed. I'm going to talk about that for a moment. The bed. The time when you just want to rest. You know what I'm talking about? When you want to rest. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. The, the Hebrew word for remember, yes, it, it means to recall. Very simple, right? When I recall, when I, when I recall on my bed, when I remember on my bed. But the word I meditate, the word meditate in the Hebrew is, is, is very important. And, and yes, yes it means to imagine it means to ponder on um, i mean i'm thinking about i'm pondering but when you break down the hebrew word for meditate the the root word it brings a different meaning and the word when he says i meditate you in the night watches i meditate on you that word meditate means this it means to mutter or to groan even to bring forth a roar isn't that interesting That I meditate on my bed. I remember you on my bed and I meditate in the night watches. There's something as I'm recalling and I'm thinking back and I'm pondering on the things of past, on the things of old, the things you've done, on the goodness, on the faithfulness that God is still and was always good then. He shall be good today and he continues to be good tomorrow as I remember this and I meditate. There's something in the meditation that brings forth a Roar. What, what is that? A declaration. Something that begins to be spoken. It, it's, it's a very interesting word, the word meditate. So David writes, I remember you on my bed. I meditate you. I go back and, and I recall what the Lord has done. And I meditate. I groan. I mutter. And What is, what is, he, what is he saying? What is David saying there? I begin to speak things out. I roar out the things that the Lord has done. That's very, very important. You've ever, come on. Oh, because now you want to be like, oh, I don't know what he's talking about. Yes, you have. You've been around someone and they say something like, don't confess that. You religious person, we do that all the time. We do it. Don't, don't confess that. We tell that to people because we'd say what? The, there's power in your tongue. So, so, so it's not that we're, oh, we're just being religious telling everyone not to confess that. It's because, wait a minute, the, the Bible says it because the tongue is like the oar of a ship, right? Wherever the tongue goes, the ship will go in. And someone says, oh, my God, you know what? This is just going to go bad for me. I'm probably going to go to work today. I'm going to get fired. And what do you say? Yes, you are. You confessed it. Don't confess it. Because, because you're speaking things. And, and David uses the word meditate, which means I'm going to, what, what, what I'm thinking about, what I'm pondering out, what I'm meditating on, I'm going to speak those things out. That's powerful. Verse 7, again, you have been my help. I'm going to speak these things out. Verse 7, because you have been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. Because you've always stood up for me. I'm free to run and play. I hold on to you for dear life. You hold me as a steady post. I I asked you a question. I'm going to continue to go back to this. What do we do? What do you do? Ask yourself personally, what do I do? To receive Confidence and abundant confidence, an overflow of confidence when I feel troubled or I'm being threatened. When, When I feel threatened or troubled, what is it that I do at that specific moment? What do I do? Well, let's answer what David's doing here. Because he's in a very tough place. And what does he do? He pauses. Everyone say pause. pause. He pauses. This is something about that word, right? Say it one more time. Pause. I should have named the message pause. Just pause. He just stops. Pause. Pause means what? You, you just stay put at that moment. Just, just stay put. Pause. Don't run back. Don't run forward. Don't fast forward. Don't rewind. Just Pause. What does pause do? It always causes you and it should always cause you to stop and reflect. Meaning what? Don't be moved to act. David could be like, I, I, I'm, in, I'm in the dungeon. I'm in the wilderness. I'm just gonna, You know what? I have mighty men around me. And they go on a snowy day and they fight a lion. Have you ever read David's Mighty Men? And David's Mighty Men and, and I have Mighty Men and, and, and they've gone to give me a glass of water and they destroyed hundreds of Philistines. I could go back and I could destroy this man that's after me. But no, David doesn't run forward. He doesn't act. So we pause and we reflect. We're not moved to act. We're not moved to try to solve it all. How many of you trouble comes and instantly, instantly what you do is I got I to fix this. I got to solve this. I got to just come up with the answer. It's all in my strength. I got to work it out. Who lied to you? <laughs> pause. Pause. Think about it. Think about what you want to say before you say it. Pause because, because you know once those words come out of your mouth, you'll never get them back. Pause. Think about it before you run and you go to do that. Are you sure you're ready to fight that person? Pause. They're, they're, they're pretty trained. Are you sure you're as trained? You might. Yesterday there was a championship fight, and the man walked into the ring with a belt. But he thought because he was the champion and I had the belt, I'm just going to run to that fight and I'm probably, because I'm the champion, going to win again. But he was confronted with someone that trained better than him and when they fought, he got beat and the championship and the belt was snatched away from him and given to the other man. He should have just paused for a moment in his life, reflected where he was and recognized, shoot, I'm not ready for that fight. Pause. Reflect. Don't just try to solve it all. Or don't or, or 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 vice versa, right? Don't just oh obviously I just have to quit. I've, I just have to walk away from it. Pause. It's not to go forward, it's not to go back, it's not to go left, it's not to go right. It might just mean stay put. Don't quit. Don't go forward. So what do I do? Everyone say that. What do I do? When trouble comes. When difficulty comes. Well you're going to do is be moved to stay calm. Be moved to pause. Stay put. And just give your time, give yourself time to reflect what's really happening. Are you with me? Yes. Wisdom grows in there. The, the foolish person acts quickly. The foolish person speaks quickly. The foolish person just goes with their feelings. The wise person says, let me take time and let me reflect on these things before I say a word. That's honorable. How many of you are in the wilderness? How many of you have experienced the wilderness? How many of you know that you're going to experience the wilderness? When you get there, do yourself a favor and pause. And do what? Just reflect. There's a reason why you're in that wilderness. There's a reason why you're in that struggle. Pause. Come on, what do you do when trouble comes, when difficulty comes? I wanted to share this on Christmas. You know why? Because it's a hurried time. And how ironic is it for me to say, pause. When you're saying, I got to get out, hurry up and end this service. I got to go to the mall. And I'm saying, you're not going to the mall. Relax. 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 I got to go plan the party. I got to go plan the party. It's next week. It's in two weeks. Christmas is in two and a half weeks. Relax. Stay calm. Pause. That's why I wanted to share this during Christmas time. I want to take my time. I want to take my time. I want to take my time. And if you have a problem with that, it's probably because you're struggling with pause. Right now, since I started preaching, how many of you have kept looking at your phones you just social medias calling me. I got to go check if someone liked my picture. Pause. Who cares if you got five more likes? Who cares? Who cares what the story is? Who cares? It's Christmas time. The best thing to do during Christmas is pause. It's Christmas time. The best thing to do during Christmas time is pause. No, I'm going to stay away from that. (laughs) Is pause. She's doing good, though. She's doing good. She's doing good. We pause and we reflect. How many of you can say amen? amen? Don't just quit. Don't just run to it. Remember. He says what? I remember on my bed. Okay, Let's talk for about this. Let's look at scripture for how it's written. Why would he remember on his bed? Why the bed? Well, if, you, if, you know, if, if you've lived long enough, the bed is the place where you're finally still and not moving. For me, it's the barbershop. I'm active, I'm active, I'm active, I'm active. I get to the barber shop, my barber already knows it. He laughs at me. He's like, I sit down, and I start yawning. I don't know what it is about this place. I yawn, I get sleepy, I fall asleep on him. And it's because he says, you're, you're, you're busy throughout the whole day, and this is the one moment where you're just relaxing. And, I'm, and the thing is on your head, it just feels good. And, and, and you fall asleep, just enjoy, the, enjoy it, brother. Just fall asleep, I'll hold you up. He's my friend since middle school, so it's good. You know, I can fall asleep on him. But why is it? Because you're such in a hurry and at that moment at the barbershop, you're just at a pause. You can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. You just enjoy the vibration on your head and you just go a little longer. I hate when he's there. I'm like, oh, man, go longer. It it felt so good. But why the bed? It's the place where you're still. It's the place where you're not moving. Yes, the bed, the bed. The bed is also the place for many of us. Where we're physically not, st- we're physically, uh, we're physically still, yeah, for the most part. But yet we're mentally running a, an exhausted race. Yes. At least for me, let me talk personally. Let me talk like if there's a mirror right in front of me, and not you. Ready? The bed to me, many times, is more of a place where it's not. It's more of a place where it's rest for the body. But my God, it's a marathon for my brain. I'm huffing, I'm puffing, I'm left, I'm right, I'm turning, I'm looking at the ceiling, I'm left, I'm right, I'm going to the bathroom, I'm coming back, I'm going to the bathroom, I'm coming back. What's wrong with you? Nothing, I'm good, I just can't fall asleep. And what it is, is it's the wheels are running. And I can't stop them. My body stops. But my mind is over here still. I'm like, I'm in bed. He says, I I remember on my bed. Yes, the bed. So the bed is an illustration that is very important as David writes this. You ever thought about that? And it's not so much a call to stay put physically, the bed. Listen. Do you guys know that the bed is a spiritual place? I don't know if you guys know that. You know we could back that up biblically? The bed is a spiritual place. Even married couples, what happens in the bed, it's even a place of worship before the Lord. It's undefiled before the Lord. So, so, so the bed is a special, it's a sanctuary, the bed. The bed is supposed to be a sanctuary place. Take your bed seriously. Take what happens in your bed seriously. Take, take what the person next to you in your bed is doing seriously. Why? Because the bed is not just a resting place. The bed is also a place of worship. You know why? You sleep there and you sleep for five, six, seven, eight hours. Your soul is at rest there. When you pray, don't you pray, oh, Lord, as I sleep, let your spirit just, let it just calm Let it just be with me. What are you doing? It's a place of worship. The bed is a sanctuary. He says, I remember on the bed. The bed. Everyone say the bed. It just sounds good out coming out of the mouth. It's not a place to stay put physically, but it's a place where where in the stillness you're to catch up your mind. Mind. Catch up your mind with the truth. How many of you in the bed, your mind goes off on things that are not even true? And then you're like, I can't believe I lost two hours of sleep on junk that I'll never get back. I'll never even, I don't have no power in that stuff. The bed is very important. Remember in your bed. And he says, and I meditate in the night watches. David is having struggle. I believe as he's writing Psalm 63, please listen to this. David is having trouble sleeping. I believe that. And because he had trouble sleeping and resting, not because he was doing too much, but because his mind was set on so much that he finally got to a place and he learned, this is what my rest and my bed shall look like. had to learn that in his own life he what is it in David's writing that we're recognizing well I wrote this down he learned the skill he learned the gift to meditate to speak about the things of God and to fill his mind with the knowledge of God where did it start with him it started in the bed I remember these things and the night watches I meditate so we've already kind of gone over this but I'll Read it as I wrote it. How many of us, how many of us throw ourselves on the bed, on the bed, and there is where your mind has at it? Huh? The bed. You're like, oh, I'm finally going to go to bed. And the last thing that you do is go to bed. Your mind has at it and you toss and you turn and you don't sleep because of what? Because you're anxious and your thoughts are anxious. How many of us in bed is where we worry about all the things that in reality are out of our control and may not even be true? How many of you have been there? How many of you have gone through a trouble? How many of you are facing a difficulty? So when we're in this place, here's the question. What am I doing? What are you doing? What do we Do the answer is, wait, I got to follow what's happening in David's life. I need to meditate. What do you mean? I need to align my words. You should write this down probably. My thoughts together. I need to align my words and my thoughts together. I need to align my words and my thoughts together to roar, to speak the things that are of God so that I could fill my words and my mind with the knowledge of God. We need that. We need to just what? Pause and do what? How is your, your body might be worked out, but is your mind being worked out? Have you exercised the mind with the knowledge of God, with the knowledge of Scripture? You need to just sometimes what? Pause. Reflect. Swore. Speak the things of God. You know what that Scripture tells us this? In, in various places, Psalm chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3. Listen to this. I'm just going to read through it. It, said, it says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And on and on his law, he meditates day and night. He's like a tree that is planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. Why? He meditates day and night. Psalm chapter 77, verses 11 through 14 says it this way. I will remember, I will rem-, everyone say remember. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? For you are the God who works wonders, and you have made known your might among the peoples. What is he saying? I will remember, I will remember, I will ponder, yes, and I will meditate. So powerful. Write this down, please. It really struck my heart when I wrote this and I hope it strikes your heart the same way. Build up your confidence. Build up your confidence. Because you've learned to build up your meditation. Because you've learned to build up your meditation. If you've learned to meditate, to pause and to think about God and to think about his goodness, you're probably building up your confidence at the same time. Have you noticed? The, re- the reason why many of us may be struggling in having an abundant confidence or just any kind of confidence at all, listen to this, may be the sole fact that we're not mastering the craft of remembering. We're not mastering this gift of meditating. We're not recalling. We're not roaring. We're not speaking the things of God. We're not filling our minds and words with his truth And what he says and what he does and what he's done. So next thing you can write this down is this. It struck my heart when I wrote this too. If we are not in his word, listen to this. If we are not in his word, then his word will never be in us. How will you meditate on his word on your bed if you're not in his word? His word is not in you to meditate on. You'll always run to a devotional. You'll always run to a person to be your great counsel. Because the word of God is not poured into your own life. So you call someone and say, oh, just give me a word today. And the Lord says, if you just hear my word, you would have a word for today. I'll say it one more time. If we're not in his word, then his word will never be in us. God's not going to just be a magician and go, "Mm, because I'm so good, I'm just going to zap it in you so it's automatic in you. No. He wants you what? The Bible says something like this. You show what? Yourself what? Study. You show yourself what? You're studied. You're approved. So what does that mean? God's calling you to get into the word. Why? So it could get into you. Amen. Why is it so important for the word to get into me? Well, like David, one day you're going to need to what? Meditate. And if you don't meditate on that word, you're going to meditate on false philosophies, on false doctrines, on false truths. And you're going to fall quickly. Meditate on his truth. Master the craft to meditate. And you'll start to live more confidence during this Christmas season. How many of you could say amen? Amen. When you meditate, you want to have substance in your meditation. Please listen to this. When you meditate, you want to have substance within you. You want to find it. You want to what? Not just when you find it. What do you want to do when you find it? Come on. You want to begin to what? Speak it. Why? Because I'm going to be very honest with you. I don't know if you guys know this or not yet, but I'm going to give you a nugget of advice. The greatest preacher in your life should be yourself. It should not be your pastor or the guy you download, the podcast guy, the YouTuber. That should not be the greatest preacher. The the Holy Spirit is preaching inside of you. The word of God is preaching inside of you. So what do you do with that meditation that's building up your confidence? You begin to what? You begin to declare it. So when days are gloomy and days are sad and days are difficult, you walk around and you meditate, you pause, and you begin to what? speak that which is alive inside of you. Become your greatest preacher. Become your greatest preacher. Man, do that. Meditate. So come on, I'll say it again. As you find substance there, what do you do to receive an abundance of confidence when we feel troubled or being threatened by this trouble, by difficulty? Pause. Everyone say pause. pause. Say reflect. Yes. Such beautiful words. Meditate. Yes. Amen. Speak about the things of God. Fill your mind with the knowledge of God. How many of you could say amen? Yes. I wrote some thoughts down, but I feel like God is speaking. I have Psalm chapter 46 I want to get into. But... I guess I'll say some of this. Christmas to me and to many of us is interesting time of the year. Many of us love it. Some of us don't. Many people, it's their favorite. They're off work. They're off school. They get to spend time with friends and family. Christmas is very interesting. Some of your favorite movies come out. Some of your favorite songs come out. Your smells come out. The whole Christmas spirit is out. and You love it. The colors. Nancy has a, an amazing ability to record and program to record every Hallmark Christmas movie. That there's out. And that's her thing. That's what I've learned on my almost 11th year of marriage is what releases the healthy endorphins in my wife's life. Didn't know that. And um, you guys, some of you understand that. Some people, right? The music, the decorations, the dressing up, the smells. But others don't enjoy it. It's frustrating. The gifts, the parties. All that stuff can, can be a lot. And then... Some of people get depressed because they feel alone. Others are joyful, but some others are depressed because they have maybe they feel like they have no one to share it with, or there's someone that they used to share it with. Maybe they've lost that person. Whatever, it's not as special as it used to be. I mean, Christmas can be interesting for certain people. It plays a specific role, and it should play this season should play a specific role right now in your life, as we've read some of this passage. You know, Winston Churchill was cited for saying this, and I'm gonna quote him. He says, Christmas is a season not only of rejoicing listen to what he says but of reflection pause during the season it has a way of, of doing that you know many people can just celebrate and we celebrate ourselves families some people travel some people go to vacation during this time but at some point we need to just pause we need to stop we need to relax evaluate reflect ask yourselves where am i what have i done where am i going Even ask yourself this, ready? And I'm going to build on this. How did this year go for me? Don't wait for next year, which is weeks away, to to build up a vision. But start now to build upon. Build upon. Change things. Don't, Don't, oh, you know, that's how many people live. I'm going to just change some things in the following year. The reality is it's just a matter of dates. It's just a year change. That's all it is. We can all begin right now to make changes spiritually changes about reading his word, praying, changes about the community, changes in all that we're doing. We, we could begin to, to make different decisions at any time. We don't necessarily need the end of the year or Christmas or New Year's to cause any of this. But that's the reality of the world that we live in, of our country. That's what we do. I, I looked something up because so many people commit themselves or at least try to make changes. Look at this. I looked up the ten, the top 10 New Year's resolutions. You guys ready for this? According to a survey, they, they, they surveyed 2,000 people, not a bad amount of people. What do you think number one was? You you see? Some of you guys understand that stuff. Number one, diet, eat healthier. 71% of people said diet to eat healthier. Guess what number two is? Well, if you're going to eat healthier, you're going to what? Yep, go to the gym, right? Exercise more. We have a great place to promote here if you need good exercise. Let us know. Number three, lose weight. You're hoping that number one and two brings number three, lose weight. Number four, 2,000 people, save money, save more and spend less. Mm. Number five, learn a new skill or new hobby. I told my wife, I know what I want for Christmas this year. She's like, Wow, this is the first time you've ever asked for a Christmas present. I said, I want a bike. I just want a bike. And what are you going to do? What are you going to do with that bike? Just ride it. I'm just going to ride. I'm just going to go. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going. That's one of my resolutions, I guess. Number 6 quit smoking. Number 7 read more. Number 8 find another job. Number 9 drink less. In this one 15% said alcohol. Number 10 spend more time with family and friends. <laughs> 13%. percent Got to figure out our our list here. <laughs> kind of sad. Kind of sad, but that's the world we live in. For the majority of people <laughs> For the majority of people this goes well for the first two months, if they're strong. If they're strong for the first two months. If they're strong enough. Eventually, many who start these changes, these decisions, these resolutions, this new year, new me idea, they go back to the The same what habits. They go back to the same traditions. What we would call here, what, the same patterns. That they've walked in for the rest of their lives. You lose 20, but then by April, you gain 40. And it's the same patterns that we've carried for the rest of our lives. Not everyone, I'm not judging everyone, but most of the people. I know there's a nice little small percentage of you that do such a great job at that. But we're called to just what? Reflect, pause. What is God really, seriously, what is God really calling you to do now? Thank you for your top ten list and you want to eat healthy and you want to lose weight. and Those are all good things. God wants all that for you. Thank you for all those things. You want to go to the gym and all that. Thank you for, you want to get a bike and just run, just just go. Thank you for all those things. But seriously, is eating healthier going to change your problems, your issues, your troubles? Is the gym going to take away all your troubles? No. Like, just pause and really feel like, find out what is it that God is speaking today, Amen. man? Uh, I don't have the opportune time to get into Psalm 46, I'll just read it and let the word itself preach to you. But what I'll do is maybe I'll, I'll my next preaching, I'll dive into Psalm 46 with you. Because depends how you want to say it. The, I guess the right way of saying it is, um, I forgot now, forgive me. The, the proper way of saying the Hebrew word is like Selah or Selah, but we've learned to say Selah. Um, some people say Selah, some people name their daughter Selah, and it's wrong pronunciation, it's not Selah. But But it sounds better. But who cares? The point is what it means, not how you pronounce it right now. But in Psalm 46, I'll tell you what, I'll read it today and next preaching we'll dive into it some more. Look what he says here. He says, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in, guess what he says? Trouble. Who would have thought? This is powerful because watch what you're going to recognize. You're going to recognize that three times in 11 verses, the psalmist is going to use the phrase, Salah. There's a reason for that. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved in the heart of the sea. Verse 3, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. How many of you read verse 1, 2, and 3 and go, ooh, sounds like a Hollywood movie. But then he ends with what? Salah. All of this is happening, but salah. The word salah in Hebrew there means Pause and reflect. Don't get so wild up about verses 1, 2, and 3. Pause. Pause. Verse 4, 5, 6, and 7. We'll get into this next time. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. What does he end with? Salah. There's so much in that verse. Like the whole city of God, there's a reason why he says that. But at the end of all this, Salah. Verse 8, 9, 10, 11. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolation on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Verse 10, be still. Everyone say, be still. be still. Yeah, he's almost giving you the definition of salah. And know that I am God. I will exalt among the nations. Now, this is not the psalmist speaking, this is God commanding. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And everyone just salah. You pause and you reflect. I ask the worship team to come up for a moment here. Pause and reflect. So much to say, but I feel like you know exactly where you're at. You know exactly what needs to be said, what doesn't need to be said. Christmas season is upon us, amen. New Year's is upon us. How many of you are traveling? All right, good. A lot of you. I love what Luis Lozano texts me in the middle of the message. How do you rest on your bed when Jesus is not resting in you? That's pretty good. Good job, man. All right. So we're traveling and and, um, even when you travel, learn to pause. When you're having conversations, learn to pause. Go back to the psalm that we just studied here for a moment. Go back and study it on your own. What does that psalm mean to you? What does this truth mean to you? In the busyness and in the craziness. Because the reality is, this has nothing to do with Christmas. Who are we lying to? We're still complaining about the rush of Christmas, right? Oh, my God, Christmas is so crazy. The streets. Dude, you say it in May. You say it in August. People are crazy out here. They're just beeping. the. It's, It's nonstop. The craziness is always around us. We saw something nuts this week happen in our own city. That thing was crazy. No one just stopped. No one paused. Those two felons they didn't think it out. Did you think this was going to go good? Pause. no No one won. No one won because we live in a world where everything's quick, everything's fast. let's just react. let's just do this. This is how we 're going to solve it. This is how we're going to go. Don't quit and don't keep going. Don't, Pastor, I need to set a meeting with you. We need to talk about these things. What's your advice? That's a lot of weight for me to carry. So I guess my advice would be just pause. Let's see what God wants to do. Lately, a lot of my conversations have been that. If you've met with me recently, have you noticed, I've been telling you, just pause. Why why pause? Because if you really are a son and daughter of God, he's going to work it out. If you're in his word and his word is in you, it's going to be uttered. It's going to be roared out. But are you practicing the skill of let me just pause at this moment and not quit and not just run forward, but just, God, what are you saying? What are you doing? Because things are crazy. But you are good. Yesterday, he was good. Today, he is good. Tomorrow he will be good. Am I getting in your mind here? It's a, just a conversation, nothing to yell about today, nothing to do a chant today, just very simple and true. Take a moment to reflect, to meditate, and grow yourself in wisdom in a foolish world that all people do is make rash decisions. Just chill. Chill. Maori has something that he says to people lately. What is it, Maori? Everything is okay. And he, you can tell he's a father because he watches Monsters University with his son. And he's quoting, who are you quoting there, Mike or Stully? It's just the university? Squishy. Squishy I don't even know. that. One <laughs> of the cartoon characters, that's his saying, everything is okay. And you're like, no, it's not. If you're in him and he's in you, everything is okay. But this person just died. It hurts. But everything is okay. I just got laid off. Pause. Everything is okay. He just walked out on me. She just walked out on me. Hey, everything is okay. My car doesn't start. Everything is okay. I am preaching to myself. That's my wife. Yesterday, I started pressure washing my house, because I want to do something, you know, it's Christmas time. I make her I want to make her, I want her to see. I could, I'm going to do something. So I'm going to pressure clean. That's what a man does. He pressure cleans. So I had a pressure cleaner that my, my parents bought me an early Christmas gift and, and I said, "It's too weak. I need a more powerful one." So I went to Home Depot, I exchanged it for a more powerful one. I started pressure cleaning the house yesterday and there was a point in my house where I was oh, and wood sparked everywhere and I have a hole now on my roof I have a hole and I dropped the pressure cleaner I looked at this I said oh no I made a hole in my, I'm so mad at myself I'm so, and I said other words I didn't curse I really have not cursed in a long time. I said words like, I'm so pissed, and things like that. That's, that's as bad as I got. I probably said pissed. But, but I, oh, so this, I'm pissed off. Look what I did. And oh, I made a hole. Now I got to. I, I thought my wife was going to come out and do the same thing. Oh, you're such a this. And she was just like, oh, make sure you fix it by next Saturday, okay? <laughs> Everything's good. Everything's okay. Her advice to me was, just make sure you fix it by next Saturday. Because we have a Christmas little thing with the family, so just, everything's okay. But you know, the man in me is like, I don't know how to fix that. (laughs) She mean, fix it for next Saturday. But I have an amazing brother-in-law who knows how to do many things. And he happened to be there. He gets off his long conversation, he was pacing down the middle of the street. If you know where I live, it's awkward to see the street where he's pacing in front of. And when he's done, after like an hour of conversation, he comes into the house and says, hey, what was all I screaming about? What are you screaming about? I said, I made a hole in the roof. And I don't know what to do. Ants and everything fell out of there. Everything. Rego. Rego. Take a deep breath. Everything's going to be okay. I've been wanting to get with Tito for a long time, right? Yesterday, Tito, I can say this because I know him for some years. I can't stand him, man. Yesterday, he didn't let me go to sleep in my bed. I was worried for Tito because I'm like, man, I want to, I want to sit with Tito. I have so much I want to talk to Tito. And I remember I was tossing and turning. I said, I, and I was like, I, I just don't know. I just need to go with T. And I couldn't sleep. I went to the bathroom like five times. I was like, I have to see him tomorrow. He's probably going to be like, my God. And I just need to, I just want to sit with him. And I just, I got to talk to him about some things. And I have my heart. And 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 he's here right now. And I'm next to him right now. Tito, can you just tell me everything's going to be okay just so I can go to sleep tonight? Thank you, bro. Everything's going to be okay. I woke up and I saw him. He's playing worship. I was like, okay, he's here. Amen. Everything's going to be okay. Let's stand up and let's just come before the Lord. Lord, what a beautiful reminder this is, right? I'm going to be very honest with you. I'm going to go back because this message maybe, maybe may be, not maybe, but maybe more for me than it is for anyone else in this room. I tend to be someone who worries himself to sleep and wakes up with that worry still on his mind then I wake up and I'm like I have no power over what I'm worrying about that was so stupid but Holy Spirit today you tell me everything is going to be okay just learn to pause just learn to reflect just learn to enjoy the moment your children are getting older enjoy them Enjoy their laugh today because the laugh doesn't last forever. Enjoy their hugs around your leg because the hugs around your leg doesn't last forever. Just give me a moment here to preach to myself. Everyone in that family won't live forever. Enjoy them today. Enjoy it. Reflect. Pause. In the busyness and this. the craziness and the sinfulness and the evil of this world Lord just teach us to stay still to know that you are God to reflect on what you've done and to what you're doing and to have faith to speak things out even to what you're gonna do let us learn to live in that moment. Lord, that we could say, I remember in my bed. I meditate in the night watches. That that remembering and that meditation will serve a different purpose starting from tonight going forward. That I would not drive myself weary. but That Lord, I would speak. Speak things in faith, roar things out loud from what's in what's inside of me. Lord, that I will live with greater confidence. not just greater confidence but abundant confidence. in whatever trial, whatever trouble and whatever difficulty that I could walk in abundant confidence. That word confidence means hope. I can live and walk in greater hope. Because I've learned to healthy, to meditate healthy in a healthy manner. To reflect in a healthy way. And because of that, I begin to walk and live in hope and confidence for the rest of my life. Maybe everything won't be taken away. But Lord, so much more will be added I learned to reflect I learned to meditate and to find your hope and to find your confidence and it becomes an abundance in my life in the midst of whatever difficulty in the midst of whatever trial and trouble so church I tell you today your option was not to quit if you quit it was not to quit sorry your option was not to solve it with your own strength and your own wisdom the greatest option was you should have just stayed still and learned to pause and learn to reflect and learn to trust God in the middle of it and let him grow you and mature you and build up confidence. Come on. That you would begin to speak out the things that are alive because of what you're exercising throughout the day becomes alive when you need it at night. Speaking into existence. Lord, thank you for this day, for the Christmas season that we are in, that it would be different this year, that in the craziness and in the busy- busyness, we will not be crazy with it. We will not be so busy with it. But in the busyness and the craziness and the turmoil and the running, we will pause. We will be still in the midst of it. We will trust. We will know you We will be filled with such abundant confidence. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for such a beautiful word, for such a beautiful truth, for such a beautiful family, for such a beautiful time. It's in Jesus' name. And together we say, Amen. Can you give God some glory right there where you're at today? Hey.